Calls are growing louder for the Ontario government to come forward with some details, a plan for expanding the fourth dose, the second booster, a COVID vaccine. Interim leader NDP, uh, interim NDP leader Peter Tabin saying yesterday that uh, the details are needed and needed now. Here is uh, Mr. Tabins, as I mentioned yesterday. Have a listen. It's now clear we've had national advice to get rolling on this. Uh, we know in the past that Ontario has been slow off the mark, and we paid for it. You know, we paid for it with clogged emergency rooms, people in hospital, people at risk of dying. And I think that people in Ontario deserve to have the plan set out as soon as possible. And not just a plan, actually putting people in place, facilities in place to deliver on that plan. All right. Joining us now for more on this is Dr. Abdu Sharkawi. Doctor, good afternoon and thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, do you agree with Mr. Tabbins, what you just heard there? Do we need to uh, open up a, a fourth dose, a, a second booster sooner rather than later here in the province? Well, to be honest, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be the uh, antidote on its own, um, and that may sound counterintuitive, but the reality is where we really need to focus our efforts is actually getting enough people to get their third dose. Uh, the benefit that is derived from a fourth dose is probably largely limited to people who are at highest risk. So we're talking about people who have underlying chronic health conditions, uh, who are immunosuppressed due to a particular disease. And those people have probably already gotten their fourth dose. They're probably already anchored to a specialist and community network that has enabled that. And so I think the idea that just opening up an additional dose for opening up and expecting that that is going to provide um, a real measurable form of protection is probably naive if we're considering that we're doing this at the same time that all mask mandates have been essentially dropped. Uh, we have gone back to a, a pretty much pre-pandemic form of interaction in terms of how policies have been set out. And to me, that's more damaging and that's more problematic than a fourth dose. That's, an, that, that's not the silver bullet that we need. We need a comprehensive plan that includes all those other risk mitigation efforts, which are extremely important. Yeah, let me ask you a bit more about the uptake on the uh, third dose or lack thereof, because I was wondering the same thing. I mean, how tough of a sell will a fourth dose be if we do indeed open it up in the uh, province, considering that lack of uptake for the uh, original booster or the third dose? Well, you bring up an excellent point. Uh, you know, I, th I think that expecting the, the public at large to uh, take an additional dose when we're telling them at the same time that it's, that it's okay uh, to go ahead unmasked, it's, it's okay to, to go back to a pre-pandemic lifestyle, and many people haven't even received more than their second dose now going on more than a year. It's a big, uh, it's a big sell, and it's difficult for people to try and understand. It seems like conflicting messages are being sent to them. So I, I've been saying it all along, you know, you, you go to war with a lot of weapons. You don't go with one arsenal and expect that that's going to do it for you. And I think we've been um, deluding ourselves from, from the start of this, the pandemic, that as long as we get vaccination uptake to a certain level, 
that we're fine after that. And we've learned from this virus that it evolves, the variants change, uh, immunity wanes. And so we need those other measures of protection to guide us through successive waves and prevent evolution of more difficult variants for us and ultimately serious outcomes like hospitalizations and deaths. And while they're not going up exponentially, they're going up. And that tells you that we have really lost the opportunity to control community transmission the best way we should have. Let's talk a vaccine efficacy, if we can, for a second. For those that have had that third dose, that uh, booster shot at this stage uh, right now, and I mean, obviously, depending on uh, when they received it, uh, but here we are, beginning of uh, July, kind of the beginning of uh, the summer months. Just how protected are you right now if you've had uh, three doses? You're very well protected. So consistently throughout this pandemic, even until now, when I saw COVID patients admitted to the hospital uh, that I work in as recently as a few days ago, if you've had that third dose, it is extremely unlikely that you will uh, become sick enough to actually be hospitalized or be admitted to an intensive care unit and, of course, suffer consequences that may be lethal in nature following that. I've yet to see a patient who's had three doses in this entire pandemic who has succumbed um, to, to those situations. So it is still exceptionally protective and helpful. And we have to recognize, you know, if you've got three and four and five new variants that have emerged since the last time you had a vaccine, chances are you're not very well protected. And so you're playing a bit of a big gamble if you decide that you're well enough to keep doing what you need to do and you're unmasked and you think you're going to be fine. Because even if you don't get seriously sick, you may end up with long COVID and that can be extremely debilitating. And there's a lot of young people out there that are struggling whose lives have changed in many situations irrevocably. And that's just a tragedy that should be avoided. For sure, for sure. Do we know uh, just how good these uh, current vaccines are, the vaccines that we've all had uh, when it comes to particularly this latest subvariant, uh, BA5? Well, we think that they're, they're still... Uh, quite reasonably protective against the more severe outcomes. But um, to be perfectly honest, I don't think they are optimal in terms of preventing infection overall. And you might say, well, if it prevents serious disease, uh, what's the big deal? The big deal is it still allows you to become infected. It still allows you to potentially share and transmit this when you're in a group setting or with somebody who may be more vulnerable at some point in the chain of your exposure. So it's important to do everything that we can to even reduce the likelihood of being infected. And that means that ideally your vaccine should do so as well. The good news is it looks like Novavax, we're waiting for more peer-reviewed data to come through, may be actually very good in terms of all uh, Omicron subvariants, uh, and that may be appealing to a lot of people who don't want an mRNA platform like Pfizer or Moderna. And there's a, a Moderna vaccine that's also uh, coming out for the fall that looks like it's going to be much more specific to the latest Omicron variant. So that's going to be um, a more confidence-boosting uh, you know, level of protection that we can add. But we need to add it to the masking and, and the importance of awareness of ventilation and all those other things. You can't do this with vaccines alone. 
Dr. Shirkawi, uh, can you give us uh, your take as to where we are right now here in the first week of uh, July when it comes to, I guess, the pandemic uh, waves? Uh, I think a lot of people were pointing to and looking at the uh, fall, but is there data, increasing data that shows, and I'm thinking about things like uh, wastewater uh, testing and levels uh, right now, that uh, forget the fall, as a matter of fact, uh, we might be in a wave right now? Oh, we are in a wave right now. I, I actually tweeted about this, uh, you know, not all that long ago uh, before I got on with you. Th- there's no debating that we're in a wave right now. All of the signals have been increasing all the metrics since basically the beginning of June. The wastewater signal had plateaued already before the beginning of June, and it's been going up since then. If you look at health units across Ontario, the reproductive number is you know, almost unanimously over one, which means that if you get infected, it's highly likely that it's going to spread to other people. Um, And we want it under one. Uh, And now we're seeing the trickling down of the effect into hospitalization. So by the time you're seeing people sick enough to require hospitalization, it means you've overwhelmed the threshold of containment within your community. And we call that a lagging indicator. By the time you've waited and you've seen that people are popping up in ERs and ending up on the ward and occasionally at least ending up in the ICU, that's a problem. That means you didn't do a good enough job within the community. So make no mistake, we're already in another wave. The real question is, how well are we going to do to halt this wave? Are we going to take masking more seriously? Are we going to consider our our individual behavior a little bit more closely? Are we going to get that third dose if it hasn't already happened? And that will determine whether this leads to more hospitalizations and more cases of long COVID and more bad outcomes or whether we're going to be able to tune this down a little bit. And the thing that worries me the most is this is the most transmissible variant to date. In the past, we've been very fortunate that we could almost predict that with summer and a lot of people being able to do things outdoors, that the transmission really, you know, tapers off. I don't know if we have that same measure of confidence with BA5 that we did with earlier variants, and that worries me. So we need to be extra vigilant, Mm -hmm. even though it sucks. Is the worry and the concern just finally here, doctor, uh, moving forward into the fall, considering what uh, BA5 has uh, done and where the numbers are uh, presently, current day, that this is setting the stage for uh, perhaps an even uh, worse uh, future uh, wave in the fall? Well, the simple truth is every wave will lead to additional waves that can potentially be more problematic if we don't do our job in in reducing the circulation of a more resistant variant. And we're seeing that now. This is the most resistant variant we've seen to date. It has more escape mutations than every other variant. And we're sort of resting on our laurels here that we've had a combination of natural immunity from previous exposure and prior vaccinations. And I think we want to be careful not to count our chickens a little bit too soon. So yeah, I'm worried. And I'm worried that if it piggybacks on top of more respiratory viruses like the flu and RSV and a lot of other things that are starting to resurface in a lot more frequency than we saw before the pandemic, we're in for a really tough fall and winter, especially with our healthcare system. All right, Dr. Sherkawi, uh, certainly a sobering conversation. Appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay safe. You too.